Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you're looking for. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay, and this week we're going to talk about ethics with training and helping people. I have a good friend of mine, Jenny, she's a hospice nurse and teaches a class on medical ethics. We're going to go along that topic and see where it goes. So Jenny, I sat in on one of your classes. Um, you, you teach medical ethics, and if you want to give her just a basic background on what that class entails, just to give the listeners an idea. Yeah, so the class I teach it is, um, I'm in a very enviable position because usually when you're talking about teaching a class, you want your kids to be able to just spit information back at you, and, and this is not the type of class that is. So yes, they do have to be able to tell me what theories they're thinking about, but really it's all about critical thinking and making them understand that there are many points of view to, to any kind of issues. And we do a lot of really fun, different topics. Um, we do everything from physician-assisted suicide and abortion to assisted reproduction. We talk about genetic testing and eugenics here in this country. It's um, in pandemics. The pandemic um, lecture would always be the lecture nobody wanted to come to see, right? They, they're always like, yeah, there's never going to be a pandemic. Well, after COVID, everybody wants to hear that one. Well, but you, it's you, been a lot of fun. You talk about the pandemic, and do you think we're going to be talking about that? down the road like we're going to talk to our kids and our grandkids because my grandfather was born in 1893 so he lived through that spanish flu of 18 whatever it was 1918 and this and that my father said yeah he would have been in his 20s he never mentioned it to my father never talked about it do you think this one's going to be discussed so we'll be prepared for the next one i mean if it's only happening every hundred years but oh. let's prepare are we going to talk about it or are we going to just hush hush it's out behind us and not be prepared for the next one. No, I have a feeling that we are going to be um, much better prepared. Um, and we've had a couple of different things, like we had the SARS virus um, that came around and it really was getting us up and ready for, for coronavirus. Um, so we did have a couple of little mini dry runs and there are other bugs that are out there right now that they are concerned about that could or could not be, because you know you don't know until they mutate. But there's always a something that's going to be keeping an epidemiologist up at night. And it's really interesting to see um, how it's going through. And from a public health and epidemiology standpoint, I mean, this has been pretty amazing to, to live through this. Um, as a nurse, it was pretty awful to live through it, but you know, from that scientific background, it, it's, um, it was amazing. So now when we talk the ethics of it, and I don't want to get into the politics on whether you got the vaccine or didn't get the vaccine, but we were so concerned about everyone's physical health. Quick, shut everything down, lock your doors, stay in your house. That's it. Now, when I coach, I mentioned the health tripod, physical, mental, and emotional. And we were so over the top worried about everyone's physical health. Do you think we completely neglected everyone's psychological and emotional health? I mean, you locked them into, I mean, even the introverts were ready to run out and get a hug. <laughs> yeah, at that point they were, um, or at least I was. Um, 
I think it kind of depended on where you were and what your community was like. I know um, I live close to a hospital, so every night at shift change, everybody in the neighborhood would go out and bang on pots and pans, and it was like the thing during shift change at the hospital, so everybody at the hospital could hear us, um, just to say, yay, you're, you rock. Um, and it's funny because now that the pandemic is over, it used to be that, you know, being a nurse, we... we could do no wrong during the pandemic. And now we're just, you know, the losers who are telling you what to do again. So um, the the gloss has, has definitely um, been worn away. But. Yeah, I mean, I. But I, I think that with kids, we did lock them up and um, in, in the house. And then when we did let them out, we were like, you have to wear masks and when you're telling little littles that they can't um, share with their friends and they can't give their friends hugs, um, that they have to stay away. That and, and it's almost like telling them that people are dangerous. I mean, that it does have an effect. That does have an effect on kids. But, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were really concerned because who's going to be the caretakers <clears throat> for those kids? So if mom and dad have to work, it's going to be grandma and grandpa, right? And who's going to be the most affected by a virus? It's usually you're very young and you're very old, right? So the best thing you can do is keep them away. Yeah, Adam Sandler yeah. did a song, Don't Hug Grandma. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the tough thing. I saw my kids who were in middle school and high school at the time. My son's sophomore year was on the living room couch. Yeah. So again, you have no of, none of the, and I know your kids are homeschooled, so that event but they were also younger um but you don't you see the kids that were juniors and seniors and didn't get their junior prom or their senior prom and that or, was gra tough. or graduation um, that was really tough for a lot of kids and a lot of depression there was definitely a lot of depression because they weren't um you know in and everybody said oh well you homeschooled your kids so it's not it wasn't a, any different for you well yeah actually it was um we couldn't it just like with you guys doing school on the couch it was school without any of the fun and the same thing with my kids because typically their dance card is full we are doing something with other children just about every day of the week so for them to not be able to see their friends to not be able to go outside to not have gymnastics or swimming or archery or any of the other 15 different, you know, the art classes at the museum or being able to go to museums or talks or lectures or their hiking club, you know, it, it was, it, it was a huge issue. It was school without the fun. Just, just like what your kids went through. My kids suffered the same way. Definitely. Well, I mean, I have a, a good friend of mine who does coaching. My friend Colleen did a podcast episode. Um, or we did an Instagram live and we talked about, um, I'm more extrovert. I love being out, being out with my friends, doing things, and she is much more introvert. So in the beginning when, okay, everyone lock yourself in the house, all the introverts said, okay, Yay. no problem. I, I, I love this. <laughs> I've been but, waiting for this my whole it, life. As much as six months later, a year later, 18 months later, what they were doing is what they would have chosen to do anyways, but the fact that the decision-making was taken away from them, that affected them. I get that. Could you try again? There goes my watch. Um, they would have chosen to stay home by themselves anyways, but the fact that it was chosen for them had a psychological bearing on them as well. Yeah. 
and I think a lot of people didn't like that. They didn't like mandates. Um, and the people, you know, there's different, um, there's two definite different opposing views in ethics because nothing can ever be easy or, you know, we wouldn't teach classes on it. So the Kantian version of ethics is really every person is a means unto themselves. Um, and the utilitarian version is it's much more about we like the constitution was written we the people it's not me the individual it's we the people so more in the kantian ethics is more on the me it's it's i i am important so if you're looking at it from a large a large group standpoint like trying to get herd immunity or something like that and trying to get vaccines out there we want to talk to people about the utilitarian thing where it is we have we need to do this for the group i am not the most important thing if this is what the group needs then this is what we need to do to make it so that the the group will be okay and the more kantian ethics are you know this is a brand new vaccine you can't use me as a guinea pig for you just to make it so you can be healthy it's your job to keep yourself healthy it's your job to wear your mask. It's your job to stay home. It's your job to get your vaccine if you want it. You can't use me as a means to your health. So definitely two opposing, opposing views, although Kant would probably sit there and say, you know, we have a duty unto others as well. But I don't know if he would, if he would step so far as to say that we should be a guinea pig for, for other people's use. So that's talking talking about big groups and stuff but on the individual stuff you do hospice care so you have mm -hmm. people that are already end of life and you you're there like you said for that final lap that they're taking um you have your the ethical way to treat them i mean how much of your treatment is black and white this is what you do in this situation how much do you make a decision and let's not say you break the rules but how much is it more you know it's more ethical to do this so they're not in pain even though the, the rules say to do it this way. Like we talk about, and obviously on a much lighter note, we have the correct call and the right call in a soccer match. I mean, if the ball goes out of bounds, it's out of bounds. During COVID, we had no ball boys. So there was a case where the ball was obviously going to go out of bounds, roll 30 yards to the fence, and the kid who the throw-in was for the other team grabbed the ball with his hands, threw it on the ground, and ran back onto the field. And I just kind of quietly said, hey, you got to watch that. That was close to being a handball. And he's like, yeah, I thought you were going to call it on me. The correct call would have been handball, now the team gets a kick, but the right call, because we all knew what he was doing, trying to keep it, the right call was now throw in for the other team. You have situations like that where you have the right call on what you should do, but in this situation, you can kind of bend the rules because ethically it makes more sense to do it that way. So this is what I love about hospice, because the right call and the correct call are the same thing. All right, so our thing is to... This is what I love. My job is to say yes, to make it so what people want happens. And you don't often get to do that in life. So my job is to help people get, be comfortable. And, and, you know, we have a set protocol that I get to follow and, and it works. I mean, hospice has been around for a while. We know what we're doing. We know how to keep people comfortable and, and home and well-managed and it works. Now, when I was in ICU, and especially ICU during COVID, <clears throat> when you're talking about what's the right call and the correct call, well, here is your, 
Now we're talking about going into morals and everything else <clears throat> because what might be the correct call or the right call for a specific patient, the family might not be there yet. And so, so much of it is us trying to support them and make it so that they can come to that decision. Um, but the last time I checked, God doesn't wait for any of us. He, he is not concerned about our timeline. So there's a lot of times where it's very, very traumatic for families and we're doing all that we can. But, you know, and, and as medical professionals, we see the end coming and we're just trying to make it so that family can see it and try to support them. Um, and that's, that's really, really hard. It's really hard. And a lot of times the families are like, please just do, do more, do more, do more, do more. And a lot of times it really might not be in the best interest of the patient. We know it's not ultimately going to, to play out, but it also makes it so the family can sleep at night. And that's one of the things that we have to do because yes, we're treating the patient in the bed, but we're also treating their families. I mean, we have to look at patients holistically and part of that holistic approach really is also supporting their families. Um, but it, it's hard to kind of try to bring them around. And in the hospital, you don't have that time. Um, when we're in talking about hospice, they've already made that decision. They already know. And it's just trying to get more quality versus quantity. Well, when they're in the hospital, they're not worried so much about the quality. They're worried about the quantity. They just, they're hoping for a couple more hours, maybe, maybe another day or two. You know, so yeah, it's completely, of, it's, it's the same coin and opposite sides. I kind of simplify I had a, <clears throat> a friend whose daughter got in a, a major car accident. The boyfriend at the time said, here, try these pills. We'll take the pain off. Next thing you know, she's hooked and she's in rehab. So you get a situation like that. Someone has an injury. They start taking their oxys to the point of now they're hooked. And now they have another issue where someone in hospice, they're trying to relieve the pain. If they get hooked, we're they, already have, they only have two days left of their life or a <laughs> yeah. week left. We're not worried. I mean, I know I kind of saw that with my uncle towards the tail end where he had medications that you probably should have waited four hours and he's taken them at three hours. And then it got to the point where it was two hours. And yeah. um, at that point, it was just, we, we know there's not much longer. Just make it as pain-free as possible. Yeah. And then, so going ethics, I, I know I train you in the gym. Um we, I told you right in the beginning, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, no, I think I feel like you should change the intro because we've been talking about not. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. What our I, intended. I got the intro. We'll, we'll figure out what the title is by the time we're done. Um, but same type of thing. There's ethics in the overall in the healthcare, the medical field ethics. But when you go to a trainer or you go to the gym yourself, so even if you're self training you have the duty to be ethical to yourself on how you train. Now, everyone goes into the gym, what's your goal? I want to lose weight. 99 out of 100 people, I want to lose weight. You got that 1% that, oh, I want to be big and muscular, I want to be lean, I want to get on stage, I want to do whatever. Most people, the goal on the top of the list is I want to lose weight. Even if they say a whole bunch of other things, I want to lose weight is the main thing. You want to lose weight, that's great. Run a 5K every day, eat a thousand calories you're going to lose weight not the right way to do it and the biggest loser they cardio bunny them to death they make them mechanically burn calories they don't feed them much so it just naturally happens 
For the proper way to do it, I describe it as your body's a four-cylinder engine, it burns X amount of gas. We're going to put on muscle, turn you into six-cylinder engine, you're going to naturally burn more gas, more calories, more fuel. And if you go the other way, you turn yourself into hybrid, it holds onto it. And what's your feeling on and people that are, I've seen this in the gym that I've since left where the trainer knew his stuff, but he ran his business as a salesman because he could sell instant or semi-instant results better than the results that can take six months to even start seeing or a year to start seeing. Everyone wants to go into the gym three times and then look in the mirror and say, oh, it's working and it doesn't work that way. So, I mean, what's your feeling on stuff like that? I mean, you don't see it in your nursing setting, but if you were the nurse working in a, in a general practitioner's office and someone's coming in and they say, hey, I've been going to the gym. Why isn't this working? And they ask you the question and how would you navigate that situation with them? Yeah, so it really is talking to them about um, what it is that they're doing. Like, are they are they just doing cardio? Are they doing weights? Um, what kind of calories are they eating? Like, and not just the number, it's like, what calories are they eating? Are they right. eating fats, carbs, proteins, in, in, in what amount? Are they eat, are they sleeping? Because that's the other thing, none of us sleep. You know, none of us sleep. Um, and so much of what they're eating, and it's not even just the fat and the carbs and protein, actually. Like, let me back that right up. Um, we have such a big problem in this country with weight, and so much of our diet is just um, ultra-processed foods. And even when people are trying to lose weight, you know, we don't know how to cook anymore. We've had, you know, home ec has been taken out of high schools, like... You know, people say they don't know how to boil water, and they mean it. They don't know how to boil water. They don't know how to actually cook food. They can heat up food, so they go over to, you know, the frozen food aisle, and, and they grab something, and it says that it's supposed to be healthy, and that's what it says. It says healthy right on there, only so many calories, but it's just a chemical slurry. It's not even food. Um, so... And, and what's in there, it's just, it's all processed and it, it, it's just, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. So if we sit there and, and we haven't actually taught people how to eat and how to eat correctly or how to cook food or to sit there and say, this is what food looks like when it comes out of the ground. When you put, when you put it in your body, it should look as close to that as, as it, as you can make it. Um, it you know, people are going to still have a problem losing weight. And there's different things that we can do to kind of combat that. And I don't blame the guy at the gym for trying to work it as a salesman because he needs to get people in, right? So if he can get people in, then then awesome. And his argument to your argument, I'm going to tell you what his argument is going to be because you're like, but they're not going to keep it off. And usually when people do diets, it's like 90% of the people put the weight back on within two years. And some of them even put on more weight. I always say it's coming back plus 10%. Yeah, because it's just doing a diet alone isn't going to change anything. You have to change habits. So you have to change your habits and you have to change your learning style. And, and it goes with everything. Because you talk about that whole health tripod, right? You know, if, if you are not emotionally good and you are not... Um, your health is not going to be good. Nothing, if, if one leg of that tripod is gone, you're going to fall over. 
and that's the way it is. So if people aren't going to, if they're not going to be able to sleep well, and they're not going to be able to eat well, if they're just running around exhausted all the time, then they're going to take the shortcuts and they're going to go and grab the frozen crap out of the, out of the freezer and, and heat that up. Um, and they're not going to have good results. But this yeah. guy in the gym is going to sit there and tell you, I don't care. I got him off the couch and I got him in here. So you know something? I was able to get them in here for a month. So they are better off Well, I, just I've, for doing it. I've said that too, that if, if, if you went in a lot of the classes, um, I would do the morning classes. They were more of that hit based. I mean, constant moving. How many reps? How many more? Keep going nonstop. Um, yeah, for the person that doesn't do anything, and it's anything, whether you... You go to the gym and you do a strength training structure, whether you do a cardio structure, everyone sees that learning curve. Because you did nothing, something is going to affect you right off the bat. You're right. going to plateau on the different ones differently. Um, you'll see that quick spike on the, on the cardio, the hit, that type of stuff, provided you're doing the other thing. It's exercising and then it's also what you eat and how much you eat. So you got to make sure you do all three for it to work right. Um I mean, but there were other things where just pushing people too hard. I mean, I would see like heart rate at 168 and I'd say, hey, hold on. I want to bring that back down to under 140 before you even start, preferably under 130. And oh, no, 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 I, she's fine. I know what she can do. And and you get some of the, the athletes. I mean, I'm one that'll never burpee someone. And you'll get, there was an athlete team and if they threw up to him, it was like, oh no, that's their threshold. Now we know we can go a little further. That's not the way no. to check someone's threshold. And and as far as why burpees, would you want to do that to somebody it, it's like well, it it's one of those things where um i don't know i feel like your job also is to you want to see results yeah but you want to leave people sweet you want them to want to come right. back yeah, and, and that, sitting yeah. there and making somebody toss their cookies every time they see you is not going right. to make them want to come back burpees is it in there's many podcasts that i listen to coaches trainers i've talked to it's the most overrated exercise now with that said the general public i'm not going to have them do burpees did my soccer team do burpees? Yeah, every now and then we did. Because on the soccer field, if you got knocked down, you had to be able to pop yourself up. So it was more of an athletic training, not a cardio beating that they were doing. Right. It's the same thing if you're doing box jumps. I mean, for I mean, everyone doing a 24-inch box jump for I mean, a minute straight. I mean, that's cardio. Where if you have someone doing I mean, plyometrics and, and um, just explosive movements, they're doing one and then they're resting. And they're doing one, and it's a different way of doing things. So when you watch one person do a box jump here and another person do a box jump over there, it's it's a different way of training. But the big thing is, like I said, having, I, I think from any type of healthcare, and obviously as just a certificate and a personal trainer is obviously much lower than a nurse or a doctor or something like that in the healthcare spectrum. But we still have I mean, the ethical and the moral obligation to to train and teach our clients the right way to do things to explain things i mean yeah you you want to lose weight and you want to do it as quick as possible that's your goal same thing run three miles every day eat a thousand calories you're going to lose weight hey like one one trainer on a podcast says okay you want to lose weight let's cut off your right leg and we'll get you there yeah like, what do you mean well that's that's about as as efficient as it would be to just mechanically burn those calories well, it's hard, too, because we do so much um, shaming of people, and there are some people who would sit there and say, well, if I shame someone and make them feel terrible about themselves, and then they go and do something about it, then then that's okay. And, um, you know, and I saw a little thing, and, and um, 
online and, and it was a video of a woman posted and she said, you know, I went to the, I was going to go to the gym and, and, um, but I got, I got up a little late and, and then I, I was thinking about not going and, and, you know, some terrible person called me and said, well, why would you even want to go anyway? You know, it's not ever going to work anyway. So she goes, I got in the car and I went because I was told that person no. And she said, so I got to the gym and there were some people there that were overweight. And I said, oh man, that, you know, so nice to see you here. You're doing awesome. Blah, 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 blah. Cause I love to support people. And then, you know, she said, I was working out and this terrible person came over and said, you know, you're doing terrible today. I can't believe it. How come you can only pull this kind of weight and blah, 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 blah. And, and, you know, there aren't any changes going on and you're not getting any better. And she goes, you know, that terrible person was me. So I, I'm so wonderful and, and supportive for everybody else, but I'm, I'm not that way for, for myself. And, you know, I think um, we all shame ourselves quite enough without anybody on the outside shaming us too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we definitely all beat ourselves up. Um, we'll, we'll teach the right way to do it, but not necessarily do it ourselves. I mean, you mentioned sleep. I mean, I, I've mentioned it to you. I've mentioned it on the podcast to everyone, how important rest is. And as you see, we're in my studio, the, um, the instruments, the, the rest is just as important as the note. The rest is just as important to the workout. I mean, I've, I've trained people and coached people that if they're having a bad day, they just do more. They just do more. They just do more. And it's detrimental. You, you need that rest. And, and one thing I can say since I've left the shop, I mean, almost two years now, just the fact that I'm legitimately getting more sleep. I mean, I woke up at 4 a.m. for nearly 25 years. Just the fact that I get more sleep, I've seen the progress in, in me. And the muscle I've put on in the past year and a half is... And, to me, it's noticeable. I've had other people notice it. And that is not much has changed other than I added sleep to the recipe. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm a person that loves to be on the go. I have self-diagnosed ADHD. I'm the only one in the house not officially diagnosed with it. But I know it's there, but I also know how to manage it. I like to do stuff. Um, so I am one that will go out at night. We'll get up early. We'll go do thing after thing after thing. Um, but getting that sleep, I've noticed, is a big thing. And how how do you manage that? I and mean, you do the hospice nursing. Yeah. You're the overnight on call person. You homeschool your kids during the day, so you can't necessarily do that. Circadian ry rhythm screws everything up it because you can't mess, sleep yeah. during. So how do you, I mean, tell yourself I mean, ethically that hey, I need to sleep. I mean, and again, we you're going to teach your clients, hey, make sure you get some rest, but you don't do it yourself. How do you try to get that in as much as possible? And, yeah, that and is, eight hours is better than two plus two plus two. I know. Even though they equal yeah, eight. Yeah, the eight hours is never going to happen for me. Um, it That is the one thing that, that I have not been able to master yet is the sleep. Because I do homeschool the kids. So I do have to be out and about during the day and awake and everything else. And, and I do do the on-call at night. So um, a lot of nights they're... You know, it's either interrupted or um, an intermittent or not at all. So I do have to take a lot of <laughs> my my life does revolve around naps. I do. I do love to nap. Naps are vitally important to me. Um, so at least I can keep going. So I, I will do that. Um, and there have been times where uh, if I 
you know, um, luckily I can sit there and say, okay, mom needs an easy day. We're not going to be able to cover as much or, or maybe we won't go to a function that we normally would have gone to um, if I just, if I have to sleep. Um, so that, you know. Well, I mean, you've also taken care of the other things. I mean, exercise is the most underused antidepressant out there. So you are, you are working out. Not only are we meeting in the gym in, during the week, uh, so you get in the physical training, you go uh, another time for yourself, usually with some weight training, you're doing the yoga class, which is gets that mental and emotional, and if you want to add spiritual aspect to it in there. So you're you're doing, a, I mean, you've added three different elements in the past six to eight months that are all healthcare-based for your own personal care, which, I mean, how has that helped you over the past few months? Oh, it's definitely helped me a lot because... Um... Uh, just the way my outlook on life has has definitely gotten a lot better and um, when you can feel good about yourself then it is it motion breeds motion and inactivity will breed inactivity so um to actually be an active person again i've i've missed i've missed that i've missed me and i'm finally feeling like i'm getting i'm getting back to myself again so um you know, it, uh, one of my friends just asked me, he was like, oh, did you, was it really hard to get back into shape? And I said, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, there was a bit of a curve right there um, at the beginning. I said, but, you know, my body remembered. My body remembered being in shape. And, you know, something I said, my body liked it. And um, and I said, and, and it's it's going really well. I said, I, I've, I've been enjoying it. Um, and it's just it's helped with everything it's helped with my focus it's it's helped with my attention it it's helped with my energy levels um you know and i feel that now because i i'm i'm getting you know some of the wiggles out it's um you know my mental clarity is so much better yeah no i i, I know exactly where it came from because i had that I mean, years ago I, I mentioned how um a lot of the podcast episodes intertwine with each other and and one of the episodes that I did was about friends of the opposite sex. And I mean, here you are, you and I have become friends. Uh, we do the archery tournaments together. We go rock climbing together. Um, years ago, I had a situation where uh, a girl I was dating, again, I mean, this was before the internet, before cell phones. So staying in touch with your friends when you live, I mean, for the younger listeners, a toll call is when you actually got charged for individual <laughs> phone calls because they were too far away. When your friends were a toll call away, you lost touch with them. So I hung out with these friends, um, the new friends that I, and they weren't athletes, so I stopped playing. This was after high school, so I stopped playing softball. I stopped going hiking. I stopped, and I lost who I was and to get myself back. Um, and have my friends and, and do the activities. So I know exactly where you're coming from. I know you started riding your horse horse again um, yeah. recently, which has been big for you. That was huge. That yeah. was huge. And for a while, I just um, I didn't even have the core the core strength. I felt like when I when I got in the saddle, I was sitting there like a like a limp noodle, and I would just I felt like I would just pop off. And um, but now it, it's it's wonderful. I get in the saddle. I'm like, all right. Well, All right. and I can actually ride it. again. But but that's also an emotional and psychological benefit to be back yeah. with your horse and be with. Oh, it is. The outside so. of a horse is definitely good for the inside of a man. <laughs> it is. It is good for your soul to to be out there with them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so this episode, I mean, we talked about ethics and and healthcare across the board from 
the low end where I'm doing with the just the personal training I and mean, through the top ends and, and hospice care and stuff like that. But we also touched a lot on, on self-care, um, which is very important. But I thank you for sitting down and having this conversation with me. And listeners, we'll see you next week. Shift Mindset Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use as well as clients we have worked with, these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at The PowerShift Mindset and also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to The PowerShift Mindset.